everybody. This is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode of the podcast. Um, as always, so no worries there. Everything's cool. Everything's just fine. Um, this episode is uh, Pam Wishbow, who is a, a freelance artist, illustrator, uh, metal worker, uh, all, all kinds of creative stuff. And we talk about a lot of different things. Um, we talk about her art, we talk about um, the occult from more of a historical perspective, and we, we actually get into it about religion a little bit, which is really, it's uh, it's always interesting to see where the conversation takes you. Um, because, yeah, I wasn't necessarily expecting that, but it's a, it's a good, happy accident to happen, I suppose. Um, just some details coming up about the next few podcasts. I mean, this is also going to be depending on how I arrange it. So there is an anthology that just went on Kickstarter called Femme Magnifique, which I encourage you all to check out and support. And I will be interviewing, um, several of the creative, um, the, not the cre- the creative teams, but I'll be uh, talking to artists and writers who are involved with the project, as well as interviewing a good portion of them at Emerald City Comic Con this year. So just giving you a heads up that the next few episodes might be a little different in terms of I'm cobbling together uh, different interviews that kind of all run with the same questions. So it might be about two or three, I think, uh, coming, going forward with that. So just, uh, bear with me. It's a little bit of a change up, but, uh, always, always good to change things up, I think. All right, cool. All right, cool. Uh, so again, this is episode 82 with Pam Wishbow. Please to enjoy and as always come back for more. Hey Pam, how are you doing? How are you? Excellent. Hopefully this is going to work out now. Yes. I'm shutting down every like non-necessary program on my computer. <laughs> I'm praying to whatever weather god exists. Right. It starts snowing outside, you're like, god damn it. Yeah. Just discuss. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel that if you don't uh, appease the, the weather gods well enough, especially in Pacific Northwest, they're just like, oh no, you, you want to have a pleasant conversation? Fuck that. Yeah. It's like, it rarely like downpours here, but we'll make it happen. Oh, you watch. You watch. <laughs> The, the the weird thing is like I'm obs- like I'm really into weather like I love like storms and everything and I used to be like uh, well not used to but storm is my favorite X Men to this day like I wanted to be her growing up it was like why not me 
So I feel like this, yeah, it just all comes around as like some weird big irony thing or something like that. Yeah. Fairly, fairly certain on that one. Um, I was going to ask you actually, um, cause we have started recording, so don't worry about intros or anything like that. That was all good. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do that when I edit this later today or tomorrow, possibly. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but I was going to ask you about the, the D and D game because that's, that's, uh, first of all, sorry, you got rescheduled. I, I know it's hard to get those going sometimes. I was fine. Um, so I've skipped around a couple D and D's that games right now, but the current one I'm in, or my current le- weekly one, is a uh, is a Harry Potter themed. Nice. Game. Um. Like what? So what house are you sorted in? First of all. Oh, uh, we made it like an American thing where we're in an horror school, oh. like a competitive horror school. Um, that sounds really cool. <laughs> it's pretty fun, and we're using uh. Fate Accelerated as our, like, our, the, the uh, game we're loosely basing, like, all of the, the rolling dice and stuff on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's the first time I've ever used that. I'm not DMing because I don't have the patience for any of that crap. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, all of the players... We're all very casual, like we're not number crunches or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that that system works really well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I am a, a uh, an Amish hex witch. Ooh, yeah. that's cool. Tried to make it very American if we could. Mm-hmm. So yeah, trying to go for as many traditionally American things as possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like do, now, do you put on like the? I just always refer back to the Simpsons where it's like. Tis a, tis a good bar in English, but ain't no pool. No, I didn't go quite that far. Okay. I do, like, I do make references to, like, Rope Spring and, and, and whatnot. <laughs> I was gonna ask, is, is oh. your, your witch or wizard on, uh, on Rumspringa? More or less, yeah. <laughs> this is how they spend their time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, you don't understand. This is my time to be free, and so I'm gonna do magic. <laughs> No, I used to, uh, I dabbled in college, uh, I actually lived with a registered, uh, GM, uh, I didn't know you could be registered in that. I didn't know that either. Like he, that's what he kind of mentioned. He was like, no, I'm like, I, apparently there was like a test or some kind of thing that you had to do that you could be like officially like, I'm a game master, dungeon master of the highest order. I, I don't know how the rankings work. That is amazing. <laughs> And and so, but I got spoiled with him because he was very loosey goosey about rules, and I was, you know, I'm not, I'm not a regular player, nor was I at the time. Like that was the first time I'd ever played, and so he spoiled me ridiculously. Like allowed me to probably do things that, like maybe regular, like general, G, you know, DMs wouldn't do. <laughs> so well, those like, kind of games, though. Like I feel like a, a good DM or GM, like can read the people they're playing with and mm-hmm. if like the whole point of it is having fun and if like if your group is much more about just like kind of saying what they want to do and they're like I don't know they're self-imposing limitations and stuff like they're not going nuts about it mm-hmm. I think that's great like that's how I love to play 
Oh yeah, no, it was it, it was really great because he was really just going for um, if I would come up with like a maneuver that was really cool. Like I had uh, some of my character at that time, and I can't remember her name, but I remember she was a, a halfling ranger who rode a war dog and had, like, a, a pole vault maneuver that she would do. Like, she'd be at running speed, and then she would, like, stick the pole in and, like, leap into someone's face, basically. Awesome. Right? And so when I mentioned that to him, like, that first time, he kind of gives me this, like, wide-eyed, like, yes, thank you. <laughs> so, so I don't have, like, a huge, I don't know, every time I talk about it, I feel like I'm a newbie, but I guess I've been playing for a long time with a lot of different groups, and, like, coming across people who have especially if they haven't played a whole bunch, um, I feel like they come up with, like, really cool stuff, and, like, a good GM will, like, encourage that kind of stuff, and they'll make it work. Mm-hmm. So exactly stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a friend who ran an Exalted game, um, and which I really liked, because I like that whole, like, anime-style kind of, like, I will be the most strongest, or it's like the, um, the, the best parts of uh, Dragon Ball, where you're just like, ah! <laughs> and he was always cool about that because I'm I'm a writer, and so my imagination, like character creation, is my favorite part because it's like, oh, I'll come up with that backstory. There's all this cool stuff, and uh, so whenever I would come up with like elaborate backstories, he'd just look at me like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I've always found it so cool. It's like really interesting, especially like uh, at at comic shows and stuff. Everyone, of course, like nerds out about their current like D&D game and stuff mm-hmm. I do not like character creation really yeah I'm like I don't know I don't like making stuff up like that but if you give me like a like a skeleton of a character I love adding stuff onto it you'll you'll just you'll create you you just want someone to just give you the character and be like okay here are all the basics and you're like okay I can make someone out of this Exactly. Okay. It's like way more fun to me for some reason. I don't know. Because if, if left to my own devices, I will make the same character every time I ask them. <laughs> You're so doing your like, Harry Potter game and you still manage to make like a, a half-elf, you know, rogue character. I, I had to specifically try not to do that and somehow I'm still doing it. It's like, like how did I end up with a dwarf? <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I'm somehow a dwarf and I like plants off. <laughs> <laughs> You're just creating Professor Sprout only in smaller form. Over and over and over. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's like, what if Professor Sprout was a... Stop doing that, Pam! <laughs> <laughs> no, I can understand that. Um, especially, like, I uh, I used to write a lot of fan fiction, and I always found it easier to write for shows that... I mean, obviously shows that you, you really love, because you already had a character that was there and something to work with from the beginning. So it's just always easier to go like, okay, well, this character is like this, you know, you know, all the time. So I can write around that personality trait or this thing that happened. Like, I, yeah, like, I can totally understand that. Yeah, like those limitations make it way more fun mm-hmm. sometimes, and I think that's what I really like about it. Yeah, and and like you said, like kind of um, almost like imposing limitations on yourself, where you're just like, well, this character wouldn't act out of turn like this because you know, for whatever reasons, and, and the show hasn't shown me that happened yet, so technically yeah. it's not true yet. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's real. no, that's, that's really interesting. I've, I've never really thought of, like, character creation that way, and that how some people could be like, no, I'm not into it. Like, why not? It's the best part! Yeah. 
It actually like it like I like character creation so much that sometimes I would just do that and then not even play the game. I would just be like, no, nah, I'm just gonna make a character. That's cool, and I'll just sit here and watch. <laughs> I love it. I don't know. I I think it's so. It's really interesting how many different kinds of players there are, mm-hmm. and like even down to really like base level stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's really fun and it makes it sometimes really difficult to get into a group. I think because of that, you have a lot of people who try once and it's just like not a group for them and they're just like no this is weird and i don't like this no it's really interesting yeah group dynamics make or break a game every time i mean this this isn't new knowledge for people who are especially you know uh uh, D players or whatever but it's so crucial like um have you i mean how many bad experiences have you had playing the game stereotypical like try to play with an older sibling game mm-hmm. situation and like they obviously didn't want me there <laughs> so like killed me off real fast and I was like oh I would think family would also be hard just because it's it's like exposing a part of yourself that they don't really know about or that you almost try to keep away uh, from them yeah I think that's a huge part of it too but yeah. I was definitely uh, a bit of a I don't know, yeah I was a tag along no, they, there yeah. we go I want to do what the cool kids are doing. Yeah, it's like what came out of it was me just taking the monster manual and like drawing from it constantly. <laughs> well, that's cool. I like that idea. <laughs> no, I had a I had a group in uh, again. All of this was happening in college, uh, grad school. Uh, I was in the history department, and so we're all we're all nerds. We all figured that out. We're like, okay, okay, you're. It's not just history. It's like you're into all this other stuff too. And so a friend of mine tried to run a game, and he had never done that before. And again, I'm coming from previous experience with friends who are like, okay, well, just do whatever, and we'll find a way to work around it. What? I just want you to have fun. This guy, because he's so green, is, like, following a script, and I just can't handle it. Like, I recently had a game like that, and it was miserable. <laughs> it's like they're just trying so hard to adhere to a script and you're like i want to go to that tower you can't go to that tower why can't i go to the tower it's like please tell me in 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 act with actual evidence and reasoned understanding why i am prevented from walking over to that tower <laughs> yeah just like make something up like you can tell me that like it's not in the script and i'll believe you but it's like come on like mm-hmm. yeah. come on <laughs> It's like, spend some time, think it up, have an imagination. I mean, I think that's where it really boils down to is that what's the level of imagination of your DM? You know, if I I can understand if you're a noob and maybe I was being a real asshole at that point too, but at the same time, it's like, dude, if you want to play this game and you have a lot of creative people here, you've got to step it up a little bit too. So equal parts, his fault and my fault, but whatever. (laughs) I still wanted to go to that stupid tower. so bad i think what sucked more about like my most recent like script bed experience was like the guy who was dming has dm'd in the past without one like with stuff you've had written himself Mm -hmm. and it's great oh okay and suddenly he was like constrained and wasn't really i guess not comfortable with just making it up on the spot and it made it so frustrating because you're just like no like you you've like made me anxious in the past with stuff like you've made me like this really feel things mm-hmm. and so you're just telling me no <laughs> it's like i don't like hearing no i don't like that <laughs> it's like excellent you've passed my test like damn oh the whole time 
<laughs> if only it was like that. Uh, yeah, uh, I've, yeah, I've recently been, um, not recently, but the last couple of months been watching Critical Role as well. I, I, I that. You haven't seen it or you have? No. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, previous to that, I, I it had been a long time since I'd played and then watched, started watching that based off of clips and then really got into the episodes, which are like three and four hours long sometimes, um, and then watching and just being like, I want to, it's not just that I want to play, but I want to play in their game because it seems really fun. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I'll create a character and I'll go on the show. It'll be so cool. (laughs) It's very rare that I want to do that, but this, this show makes me want to. Yeah. It's, it's done its jobs. Like it's got me actually interested in D and D again, where it's like, wow, well done you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but we're technically not here to talk about D&D. I mean, I technically. I mean, we can keep talking about it, no problem. But I do... I, I know, exactly. It always creeps in somewhere. Um, but I, I do want to talk about uh, your work and your art because I have been a fan for some time of it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this is the gushy part. Uh, so. <laughs> This is when I go silent because I don't know how to react. I know, exactly. And this is where I just talk really fast and try and tell you all the awesome things about yourself. And then you're like, cool. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I, you know, I've, I've seen you at a, a couple of cons. And I think we did talk to each other, I think, a little bit at Emerald City or Rose City, I think, last year? Something like that. Probably Emerald City. Yeah. I haven't done Rose City yet. Okay, then yes, that narrows it down. Um, and it's just, uh, your work always kind of stands out to me just because it, it looks so different to me and in, in, in a good way, not, not a terrible way, <laughs> but it's for, to me, like your art really feels like Pacific Northwest art. And the only way I can explain that is that it looks very like woodblock kind of oriented and, you know, very, uh, and, and I don't even know how to explain that part, but. I'm wondering if you understand what I'm getting at in that sense. Yeah, I've heard that from from a couple people, and like upon meeting people, especially at smaller shows around the area, mm-hmm. they like ask where I grew up, and I'm like, not not around here, not <laughs> not from here. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I really like a lot of natural stuff, mm-hmm. and and so I wind up doing a lot of like. Uh, naturally themed things and doing a lot of logs and and outdoorsy weird stuff. <laughs> it's like it's. I mean, there there every print that I see from you is always very full. Like there's there. It never feels like there's wasted space. Like there's always okay. Well, a fern could probably go here, or you know, <laughs> something could be filling up this area, which is I don't know. I think there's just that fullness kind of feels reminiscent of at least Western Washington, which is always just so, like, vibrant and full of, like, flora and fauna, which is a lot of Fs to be said in one sentence. (laughs) It is, like, definitely a little inspirational to be here just because, like, any, anywhere that you think it's not possible for something to grow somewhere, something will grow there. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really strange. Um, I've only lived here for about four, almost five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just a very different environment. Um, where did you uh, Where did you come from? 
I grew up in Jersey. Oh, interesting. And I am still not an out, outside person. Mm-hmm. I think, like, one of the reasons that I, uh, I draw a lot of uh, plants and things is because, like, I don't prefer to be around them. <laughs> no, I've, I'm born and bred Pacific Northwest, uh, actually, in, in the Seattle area, and I still am just like, no, I can stay indoors, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's a lot of uh, people, like, when we first moved here and tried to make friends, they're like, oh, we're gonna go on a hike, and I'm like, ah, I'm gonna not, I don't own sneakers. <laughs> don't even own sneakers, you guys. Uh, no, I had, a, I had a date one time who wanted to go hiking, and I was like, yeah, no, that's just not happening. <laughs> like, it's not a preferred place I want to go. I, I think I think because of that, like I have this like very idealist view of it. I really love the idea of of, of nature and and do like being in it. It's not like I'm, I have a complete aversion to it. It's just it's weirdly expensive to to go camping and hiking and stuff. You actually need a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. Do it and and for people who I think made it a hobby or grew up with it, I don't think they realize that like having hiking boots is not something everyone has. Mm-hmm like a tent or sleeping bag and stuff like that and you don't I love, love the idea of it you, and, d- you uh, don't have a bedroll in your car ready to go i mean i don't understand i, I don't have a car like, oh well there you go because <laughs> <laughs> uh, i didn't want a car <laughs> i was yeah i was gonna ask like what what prompted the move from jersey to seattle basically uh, I, I wound up moving um from i, I went to school in savannah uh, moved back in with my parents because it was 2008. <laughs> yep, that'll do it. And, and uh, moved back in with my parents after school and then wound up, at that time, like, Portland was the cool place to move. And <laughs> college roommate, who was, like, my best friend and everything, we were like, yeah, let's let's move west, let's do this. And she was like, well, I don't have enough money saved up. And I was like, uh, we, can, we can do it, we can do it. And she was like, why don't you move where I am and then we'll bounce west and I was like cool um turns out that's Indianapolis oh and I was like Indianapolis is a cool place I'm not disparaging it it's just not for me mm-hmm. no of course <laughs> like, don't hate on it full disclaimer Indianapolis I'm sure is a wonderfully pleasant place for some people a lot of really cool aspects to it it was just not my kind of place mm-hmm. and so like upon moving there I was like oh crap <laughs> Uh, so I was there for about two years, met my boyfriend there, moved in with uh, him and his house, and then basically on, like, my OkCupid profile was like, I don't intend on staying here. <laughs> and he was like, me too! Like, yes! Like, thank God. And so we wound up just, like, moving here sight unseen, mm-hmm. uh, just because we had, like, a list of different places that we were thinking about. And it was just completely, it was somewhere we had not heard bad things about. And thankfully he got a job right away and we were able to move. Like, I got our apartment online. We didn't even visit first. Oh, man, that is, like, the scariest <laughs> thing. Terrifying, but, like, yeah. It's like, I think it'll be okay. I'm really hoping. <laughs> we drove his Civic across the country. Oh, man, there we go. <laughs> sleeping in the car so it was it was an adventure the best kind of adventure really <laughs> yeah i didn't get thrown up on 
by a cat, so that was pretty impressive. Oh my god, wow. How do you, what is your superpower? But, uh, but yeah, so like I, I grew up around in and around cities. I was from uh, an area of Jersey where like everyone flies into and is like, it's the part that gets made fun of because it's stinky. Mm. And it's like, yeah, that's home. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the gross part, and I love it. I'm cool with it. <laughs> You don't even smell it anymore after a while. In fact, of the drive over, we were like, I don't know, I think it was like somewhere in North Dakota or something like that. It was like the middle of the night, and I was like, something smells really familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we drive past, and it was an oil refinery. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, that's the smell of home. <laughs> no, I can, I can understand that, Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of familiars that, like, I I have a, like, I don't have an aversion to, like, cigarette smoke like a lot of people do because I grew up around family members who smoke a lot, so anytime someone walks by with a cigarette, I'm like, oh, man, that smells like grandma. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't put me off. I'm like, oh, no, that smells great. That's cool. <laughs> Go on smoking, you, you know, whoever you are. Nostalgia. Exactly. Um... But, uh, so... Yeah, uh, uh, because of that, like, I feel like I... I didn't grow up with, with grow, like, running around in woods or anything like that, so I have this very idealized image of what woodlands and things are. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just... I like the idea of them, and so I kind of... make shit up, because I don't know what it actually looks like. No, also good. I mean, there's full books devoted to that kind of stuff, and... <laughs> Well, and, and it's it's interesting, too, because um, I talked with a, a writer, uh, Josh Williamson, who does, like, Nailbiter and uh, I think Birthright, and he's writing The Flash right now. Um, and he, Nailbiter is set in a Oregon town, and we were talking about how, like, there's almost this, like, air of mystery to the Pacific Northwest in a weird way that some areas don't really have, other than what feels like maybe the Deep South sometimes. Where it's kind of like, it feels secluded despite the fact that there are like bustling cities and everything, but it's almost like the constant steady rain or whatever, like leaves a permanent like fog over us where people are like, man, I wonder what's happening over there. Yeah, there's a definite weirdness here. Mm. Uh, I, I really like it. No, it, it definitely works for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend is miserable. Oh no. <laughs> Summer. <laughs> You're like, no, it's great. You only get like five days of actual sunshine. And <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here, but I'm definitely uh, trying to suck it up as, as much as I can mm-hmm. while I'm here. You're just standing do, out in the rain. Yeah, I do love bouncing around and stuff, but this definitely does is a place that I'm definitely drawn to. And then it's just down to Portland. You're like, oh, it's just more of the same. I see. <laughs> Just more donuts and specialty shops, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> uh, or you always go to Austin, I hear. It's pretty weird there. Yeah, I hear Austin's pretty cool. I don't, I don't know. I, what sucks is, like, my, my boyfriend loves the heat and humidity and all this other stuff and grew up in Louisiana, and, and oh. I hate it. If I have to wear shorts, I'm pissed. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a healthy disdain for the sunshine. Uh, we, I was doing a, I was at a conference in New Orleans and just the oppressiveness of the humidity was just like, nope, nope. Yeah. 
I mean, like, I, I grew up in Jersey, so it's not, like, as oppressive mm-hmm. as, like, New Orleans or anything, but it is, like, nasty humidity in the summer. It's, like, you get used to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely get used to it. I did not grow up with air conditioning or anything. <laughs> Oh. There was a lot of hundo day, like hundred degree days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I could get used to it because they really do like gardening and stuff. So I'm like, just just like right before you called, I was like, well, maybe because technically my boyfriend still owns a home that he could not get rid of because housing market. Oh, okay. I could not get rid of in Indiana, and I was like, well, what if we like move back there for like a couple months and fix up the house? And I can remember how much I hated it. <laughs> That seems like a sound plan. Yeah, the house needs a lot of work, and and he has a forge there that, you know, needs tending to, and... He has a forge? Wait, what? Yeah, so my boyfriend blacksmiths. Oh my god, that sounds awesome. And teaches blacksmithing here, and, uh... So that's kind of like a partial, like, either, like, I really love city life. I either want to, like, live in a city or live in the middle of nowhere. Just like an anti-burb. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the advantage of living in Middle Nor is, like, he can build a forge somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, secret really forge. Fun. And then I mess around on it. So it's... <laughs> well, and, and that kind of leads into, because on your on your Etsy shop, you have a lot of stuff that you, that, I mean, you hand make all of these, um, what, pins and uh, just metal wares, you know, these really awesome things that kind of go into your uh, occult stuff. Your, your interest in the occult things. Um, so is that is that mostly you, or is that your your boyfriend doing that? Uh, all the metal pins and stuff is all me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like, I have little metal coffins and stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does that, but I design them, essentially. Yeah. Was that, uh, that something you guys kind of, like, fell into together? Or, like, you know, when you started doing that kind of stuff, was it like, oh, okay, well, we'll we'll talk about doing this and then I'll get into it. Or were you already into like metal works like that? I do like metal work a lot. Like, so while I was living in India, I was like playing around in his forge and, and, uh, it was a lot, I don't know. It's, it was such a weird experience. So in the, in the blacksmithing world, you have either <laughs> forges or gas forges essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a coal forge, which was really fun. Um, a lot of coal forges are run on, what is essentially a, a blower from a, uh, a leaf blower. Okay. You need, to, you need to have air input, but other people, because he was a nerd and just wanted to hit stuff with a hammer, he <laughs> used to do, re, like, uh, not ring furs, but, re, like, uh, reenactments. Okay. During high school, and so he was an indie at that point and was doing, like, French and Indian War era stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he had a giant bellows that he made. Oh my god, that sounds so cool. Because both of us are just people who really like to make stuff, which kind of like, I love city life, but there's nowhere to make stuff. Mm -hmm. Like our apartment is like 600 square feet, and like, I'm sure our neighbors hate us. (laughs) (laughs) Because like he does woodworking stuff and, and uses all hand tools because there's no room for power tools, so it's just like nonstop hammering and... I'm 100 sure that our neighbors want to murder us. Uh, Have they ever come come up or come down and just been like, "Hey, really?" Yeah, I, I did like in our last place, like leave a note on our upstairs and downstairs apartment, like neighbors' apartments, like, "Hey, if it's ever too much, please just tell us." Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
like I try and make sure it's during like hours that people probably aren't home and that kind of stuff. But so midnight. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so like yeah, I used to mess around on his forge, and he had like I don't know people that he knew would come come by, and like he he would try and like teach them because. As, as a blacksmith, everyone, like, romanticizes it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I, I would love to get into that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it is pretty, I don't want to, like, disparage them or anything, but it's a pretty easy thing to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of keeping up on it, and uh, it was just, like, hilarious to have these big, burly dudes come by and, like, not even be able to light a forge. Oh. And even, well, I'll get that for you. <laughs> Like, so it's really fun to just, like, mess around. It's, like, a very, one, when iron and steel are hot, they're just, it's, like, a very, it's, like, working with clay. Mm-hmm. It's, it moves and stuff, and so it's a very familiar thing after a while, and so it, it's a lot of fun and has a lot of potential, and there's basically, if there's any way for me to, like, draw on something, mm-hmm. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's essentially what it became. Do you use like um a, like an acid etching or, or when you're trying to like uh, draw into the metal? Yeah, so the stuff that I do. So Brian right now is the only one with access to a forge, so he does all the iron stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll do like acid etching on on copper and brass because it's something I can actually do in the apartment. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just it's actually a really simple thing. Uh, I just use ferric chloride, which is a pretty uh, safe acid, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I just like do it in my house, and I do them in big, ba- big batches. Otherwise, it gets like really annoying to do them one at a time. So, <laughs> not not made to order. It's just like, nope, there's a batch of thirty. Um, and inevitably, like the couple times I did something made to order, they always come out really bad. Oh no! <laughs> of course, of course, like my acid is dead, and. Like, it bites wrong and just looks like trash, and it's like, yeah, cool, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gonna make five more of these and get it right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, I just sold this for $10, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally worth it. I just spent, like, 40 hours on it. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing, like, I mean, because you're, uh, you're freelance, right? Or do you actually have, like, a, do you do a daytime gig as well? Until very recently, I was uh, a coffee person ah. in seattle <laughs> in seattle really yeah <laughs> no way Which I, I miss a lot for for like social reasons and just because um i really do like working on coffee and is it another avenue for your your creativity basically yeah it's really fun it's like a very uh it's not a science yeah it's <laughs> very true um is just really satisfying and and making people happy like making them what they want and them enjoying it is really satisfying and like I don't get that same kind of immediate gratification Mm -hmm. doing freelance you know and so it was really nice and then just having like neighborhood people because at that time I was working in the same coffee shop that I lived above oh wow okay I was like serving my neighbors and stuff and so it was like a nice little community thing you close up and just go upstairs and you're just like all right i'll be back in like five hours yeah it was really sweet to open up because you just roll out of bed and you're just like it's 5 a.m but i don't care yeah like i look fine who am i trying to impress nobody 
Yeah, my, my sister used to be a barista, and she has a lot of really good stories where, you know, I can tell that she, she misses that, like you're saying, that communal aspect to it, where you're just like, you can talk to people and just kind of be there in the moment and uh, and have that kind of instant back and forth with people. So I totally, I get it. I understand. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, thankfully, so I'm doing totally freelance now. And to be quite honest, and it's it's like, this is something I'm, I'm trying to be much more honest about is that like, without the support of my partner, I would not be able to do this right now. The- Especially living in the city. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's an interesting thing that I've been noticing on Twitter. I mean, I don't know how recent it is, but I have been noticing it where people are coming out more about, you know, the, you know, kind of demystifying what it's like to be a freelancer. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know if there was something that particularly prompted it, but it's just, it's, it's interesting how, you know, a lot of artists are being like, look, it's not, you know, uh, it's not all sunshine and roses here. Like you have to work your ass off just to be able to support yourself if you even can. So, no, I, I think, like, for me, it definitely stemmed from, like, many, many years, and, like, while having a day job, feeling like I wasn't making it, and that I was, like, some sort of failure, mm-hmm. and having this, like, cloud over my head, feeling like, oh, if I'm not doing this full time, I've completely, like, effed up. Yeah. And the truth of it is that most people are not able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of people that, like, I think it, it really uh, opened my eyes when I saw people that I look up to have day jobs. They either, like, they teach or they have, like, a coffee job or, or like, work at a donut shop or whatever. And, like, that is how they make their stuff work. And I think that's worth knowing, mm-hmm. especially when, uh, I don't know, like, myself and I know many others get like emails from students and they're like how do you know like what's your day-to-day like and and asking these questions and it's like I wish someone was honest with me about that yeah I did that you know what I mean you're like no you just straight out lie to them you're like well I get up and I do everything that I've ever wanted to do in life (laughs) yeah and and it's it's like hard because I think uh there's a definite like fake it till you make it vibe Mm -hmm. which is legit but, like, at the same time, I I think it's, it's like, dishonest not to admit that you're able to do something because of someone else, mm-hmm. you know? No, yeah, I mean, the, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of artists, a lot of freelance writers and everything, we, we don't get through something unless we have support. I mean, I, I had to move back in with my mother to pay, you know, be able to pay my bills without, you know, my paycheck being used up on rent the whole time so it's like I can I understand I sympathize and understand (laughs) so just like I don't know as like a personal thing like I'm trying to be super honest about it well, I, I think it's weird. No, it's, it's just an odd thing. It's important. I mean, like you're saying, you, you, I mean, there's, there's a whole generation that, you know, can, that could grow up and just think like, oh no, I can totally do this entirely on my own. It's like, maybe, I mean, it depends, you know, what your circumstances are, but you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to be needing support from people who you might not have thought you would need it from, or, you know, you're going to need a day job or something else has to supplement the income before you get to that point where you can take care of yourself to a certain degree. Um, if that ever happens, cause you don't know. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I don't want 
a whiny millennial or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a, uh, like, we're a generation of people who are, like, busting our ass in, like, eight different ways. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of scrape by. To have some like, kind of an existence. Yeah, and, and I don't want that to get hidden by us trying to, like, make it look okay. Yeah. Because it's not okay. It's, like, it's simply just not okay. Yeah, you should be able to express yourself, but you also have to understand, like, this is not an easy road to fame and fortune. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're gonna have to work your ass off if you want this. Um, which you, like, being honest about that, like, makes makes you value it more, mm-hmm. and will hopefully, like, make people demand higher pay, and, and not just, like, potentially not just take any job just because paying i guess i don't know no it's i mean it's totally like when i i used to write for a website that i was i was volunteering my time for i mean i wasn't we weren't getting paid or anything and then they they wanted uh, a lot of the writers to start stepping up like you know in terms of how much more they were producing and these types of features and blah 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 it's like look i have an actual job that i go to for you know eight hours a day and a commute and all this stuff so unless you're going to start paying me which you probably won't don't expect me to have to work you know do the the job of three people in order to make your website look good so um it's it it totally makes sense to me that you, you know you want to set the stage for people like to to demand what they're what they're due you know yeah exactly um and not to sell themselves short i mean i think that there is definitely a time where you can do a bit more like, oh, okay, a little bit of exposure, but it comes down to like, if this is what you want to do with your life, then you have to demand money. <laughs> like you have to demand yeah. more. Yeah. Like you can have your passion projects, but that better be your passion project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, uh, it's so weird. It's so weird and rough. And it's a lot of things that I don't think anyone really tells you when you're starting out, whether that's like at school, or just, like, online by yourself or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of uh, comic conventions are, are also starting to kind of pick up, like, with panels that are more about that. Like, you know, um, I know at Emerald City Comic Con that's coming up, there's quite a few panels that are about, like, how can you make it in this industry? How can you be this and that? And, you know, just people kind of stepping up and going, like, hey, here's the amount of work you're going to have to put into this if you actually want to do it, you know? Yeah. And I definitely appreciate those panels because it's as much a learning experience for, you know, people like me as it is for the people who aren't in it yet. So, Especially in, a, in an industry that's, like, constantly changing and has, like, a hundred different avenues on how to get there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird and rough, and it's, like, a constant learning learning experience. Yeah, yeah, and, and especially, like, if you're in it and you're just trying to, like, well, how do I do this? Like, well, apparently I have so many options, I don't know what to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, the time. <laughs> it's just like, I wish there were less options, quite frankly. Like, if someone could just tell me to do A, B, and C, I would do it. Yeah, no, I am exactly the same way. Like, tell me, like, give me the map, I can follow the map. <laughs> it's it's kind of like you're, you're, you want the skeleton of the character, you know? It's like, give me the skeleton of how this works, and then I'll do it, but I can add a little flair here and there. I can do my own thing with it, and and then, you know, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We're all good. Like, it's like, hoochie, 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 lobster, fame and fortune. You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think we could maybe figure it out in this podcast, Pam, but we'll let other people decide that, you know? No, I don't want to 
up all of like the expertise time. No, know? exactly. <laughs> I'm sure there's there's other people who could devote far more time to that than than we could in solving everyone's problems. <laughs> I mean, next we'll something. I mean, really bootstraps and whatnot. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, let's just move on to world hunger like we were planning to. And I mean, really, that's that's easy compared to freelancers. So. <laughs> Um, so I also wanted to talk to you cause we, we spoke briefly in the, the email when I was trying to court you onto the show, which was so hard. I know. <laughs> uh, but your, so your, your interest in kind of the, the occult stuff, which is not from a practicing point of view, let's just put that out there, but, uh, from, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're a practicing Satanist. What's that like? Um, but it, it's more from the historical kind of societal, uh, look at, you know, occults and, uh, kind of the more magic side of things. Um, so I guess we'll start with where did that, um, interest stem from? So I've always, I've always been, been interested in a lot of like weird occult stuff. And I think like a lot of people, it like just kind of starts with probably being exposed to it by media mm-hmm. or by family and like just seeing it in little places. Um, a lot of a lot of it stems, I think for me at least, stems from uh, seeing like little rituals that are very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up Christmas Catholic. Okay, yeah, I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah, I grew up Christmas Catholic, and like my parents, we didn't talk about religion in the house, mm-hmm. other than like I think once in my life, my dad telling me not to take God's name in vain because I said Jesus Christ is an expletive. Oh, God. Which yeah. never happened again, even though I did that, like, constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always, like, something that my parents turned to in, like, times of, like, worry, like, heavy worry or something. Yeah. Just, um, but there's a lot of weird little personal rituals that go with being Catholic. Yep. And... I guess I, I picked up on that pretty heavily. Like, I, I don't know, like, many ex-Catholics got really obsessed with certain things and felt heavy guilt about that <laughs> guilt? No. Um, so, like, I very much remember, like, a couple years, like, saying the rosary every night, even though my parents did not prompt me to do this, mm. being obsessed with doing it by myself in my room because I was, like convinced that my dead grandmother was in purgatory and I needed to get her out. Holy, yeah, wow, they got you. that kind of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, even prior to that, like, I don't know, seeing, like, Hocus Pocus and crap like that, like, Mm -hmm. having some weird obsession with, like, magic and having power, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, of course, like, because of Hocus Pocus and other things, like, like many other little kids... You wanted to be, you wanted to be like, all and like practice spells in their backyard and stuff. Oh, yeah. You wanted to be like Bette Midler. <laughs> That's what. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was the best one. <laughs> right? Actually, I think Kathy and Jimmy was pretty good, too. She was pretty awesome. Yeah. Bette Midler definitely had the best outfit. Oh, yeah. The, the, I, I still like every once in a while when I see it, like during Halloween when they play it constantly on the, what used to be the family channel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when just seeing like her look, like that kind of, um, oh, was it Dracula hairdo and, and like her buck teeth and the lipstick and everything. It's it's like, it's such like, just 
from the moment you see her, like, oh yeah, yum yum, I got this. <laughs> I think it's like good as like her as a character. She was like such a lovable character, mm-hmm. but she wasn't like sweet, no. and she wasn't like traditionally beautiful or anything. But like, she was my favorite thing. She's just so animated. Like that's what I love about Bev Midler, just as an actress. It's like she's so animated and so good. And you're just like, how dare you be this good and a good singer? <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it's like so stuff like that was like super inspirational and it was it was I don't know a, a fun little thing and I was really really interested in history as a child and, and uh, like I my my mother's mother uh, was extremely into history she uh, like would always give me all of her old National Geographics and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff just give me history books and and would watch documentaries with me all the time and uh it was it was fun and so like I for some reason got really into Salem as a child Mm -hmm. to the point of like begging my mom to go oh no (laughs) when she kept she was like didn't want to encourage that kind of stuff because she knew I was like really into it for the witches but like she would then like let me like find me documentaries and like have people tape them off of HBO or whatever they were on. So she was like encouraging, but also like kind of, do you feel like she was afraid of this obsession with witches? It's it's like the most weird thing. Like we weren't allowed Ouija boards or anything like that, but it's not like she would be angry if one was brought to the house. Very weird. No, no, we, yeah, we, we had an issue with a Ouija board when I was young because my mom is not a fan (laughs) of those. And, and that's the thing. She's not like, like, we're not a uber religious family at all. Um, my grandmother was the, the, the big, you know, you know, Roman Catholic, you know, she was actually raised by nuns and all that kind of stuff. And, And, and so, you know, I kind of grew up in an environment that was kind of like a religious where it's like, yeah, we just go because of the ceremony and just because we've always done it, whatever. But, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we had a Ouija board. It was my sister, myself, and my cousin. Um, and we were just messing around with it. My mom freaked out. She was not into it. She's just was <laughs> like, no. I'm like, what? We didn't do anything. <laughs> so. I love that. I love Ouija board stories because like everyone has one. Yeah, it's like that, those like first experimentation kind of things, and it's it's really weird. Like where you're like, it, you know why it does it, why it works, and and all that, but then suddenly it's like, well, let's let's test this out just in case. Let's just see what's going on. Exactly. It's, there, there's like curiosity there, and, and it's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so like I I don't know I like grew up was really obsessed with that kind of stuff and. Eventually, I never made it to Salem, but I did at least convince her to go to Plymouth. <laughs> well, close, I guess. Close. <laughs> Still in Massachusetts. I mean, she didn't want to go to tours and stuff, which she was totally fine doing. <laughs> It was, of course, yeah. like every place, a weird occult store. 
There's always like the there's always that antique store where you're like, here's where I'm gonna find that weird key that opens that door to that magical okay. place. <laughs> and so like there's like a history of me like really being obsessed with like weird tiny charms and like just very personal relationships with stuff. Mm-hmm. Citing meaning to stuff and and that is a huge part of a lot of the stuff I make and and at at that occult store I like was of course chatting up and I was like an extremely shy kid Mm -hmm. uh, where I would not talk to anyone I wouldn't order my own food at a restaurant like I still don't correct waiters if my meal is messed up (laughs) (laughs) if at Chipotle they put like meat on my burrito I'm like never mind I guess I'll eat around it (laughs) I guess I'll just eat yeah I'll just eat around all this meat (laughs) um and so like the fact that I, I talked to this woman was a huge deal, mm-hmm. and so I was talking to her about tarot cards because I was really curious about it, and I, uh, I, I, I don't know, brought my mom, because the woman, I don't know, in retrospect, it's really interesting, the woman told me to ask my mom permission, mm-hmm. like she wasn't just going to sell me something. How, how old were you, I guess, at the time? I was probably, like, 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, at that point, I had, like, probably bought books about witchcraft and stuff at, like, the local Barnes and Nobles with, like, babysitting money or something, and, yeah. and, and had, like, was curious about it, but I, at that point, was, like, not Catholic anymore, and pretty sure I was just an atheist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was, I was struggling to find, like, oh, I don't believe in anything, apparently. <laughs> like, even, like, I tried to force myself to believe in, like, Wicca or, or like, some sort of other other force and I just couldn't that's such a that's such a huge deal for I mean no I I went through uh somewhat of a similar thing like when I was uh around 13 14 I went through this whole like crisis of faith kind of thing where I'm just like I don't think I believe this and I question everything because I'm just skeptical like that and no, no one's providing me with answers and uh, yeah, it took, it took a few years before I was, I finally settled on what I believed in and it, it, you know, but you know, I, I can totally understand that. <laughs> and so like, and it was like, my parents were pretty cool about it. Like I, I told my mom that I was, I think I was atheist and she was like, cool, but you still need to go through catechism and, like, <laughs> and go through confirmation. She was like, as long as like, you can do whatever you want, but at least let your little brother make his own decision. Like. <laughs> Influence your little brother, and I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. No, I. I was definitely confirmed and stuff, but you know, I, like I, it was I a definite it, like faith crisis. Like I looked into Judaism for a long time because mm-hmm. I was like, this seemed pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I made it. Um, I made it through. I did first confession and first communion at the behest of my grandmother, um, because I'm a good little granddaughter. But after that, my mom was like, you know what? You don't have to do anything further than that. Just whatever. So I've never been, I was never confirmed. My sister did, but that was her, that was her own decision later down the line. But yeah, it was like a, okay, I'm doing this because my grandmother really wants me to. And then I can just go to church and take the host and whatever. (laughs) It was just the thing you did. I don't know. We had, we had, what was CCD was, was basically like, like described as Tuesday Sunday school. Yeah, no, my, yeah, mine was on Wednesday. I remember yeah. that all of fourth grade, pretty much going in there and being like, "Okay, did you read this Bible verse? Probably not." 
It was like the worst in the winter because like you get out of school and it's already starting to get dark and you're like, really? <laughs> again? Like I just want to go home and watch television and maybe do homework. That sounds way more interesting right now. Actually, used to be very um, not necessarily combative with the priests, but I would I would kind of call them out sometimes or give ask them questions that were really just not relevant to the interests of the class. Uh, I I I was in a geography bee at school like that day that I had to go to catechism, and the priest was there because we were gearing up for first communion and first confession and everything, and he was like, "All right, so." does anyone have any questions? He had just explained whatever he was explaining. And I raised my hand and I was like, can you name the continents in order from smallest to largest? <laughs> and he's looking at me like, well, not. Oh my God, you were such a little shit. <laughs> I really was. And I remember telling a friend that like later down the line, like years later, and she's just like, what? I'm like, what? He didn't specify it had to be an ecclesiastical question. Right. Like, I was a very semantics-based child. We would always just get, uh, I guess, volunteers from the church or our teachers and stuff. And uh, there was always uh, Sister Teresa mm. who scared the shit out of me. <laughs> who, uh, so both of my parents went to like Catholic school growing up, mm-hmm. and like had the nuns that hate you and all the other fun stuff. Ooh. And but I knew Sister Teresa wouldn't do that, but she would always like. Because we were Christmas Catholics, we did not go to church very often. <laughs> she would always be there and say something like, haven't seen you in a while. And you're just like, okay, come on. She knows where I live. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, like, another, like, weird formative thing for, like, a lot of the cultist shit is, like, some probably sometime around uh, fourth, uh, probably sixth grade or so, like, sometime around middle school. Mm-hmm. My mom, I think, was getting the gist that I was, like, questioning a lot of stuff and talked about my father's mom quite a bit because they were, like, good friends, but she died when I was really young. Mm-hmm. And how, like, she always looked up to her and she was such a badass and, like, she was a feminist and she, like, you know, got divorced in the 60s and that was so crazy at the time and, like, put herself through school and was a businesswoman and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, man, Grandy was awesome. Yeah. And I then found out that Grandy also was, like, super into the occult. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, saw a tarot reader, like, once a week. Really? Whoa, what? And my mom was like, yeah, she kind of, like, her tarot person predicted, like, yours and your little brother's births. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so, like, yeah, there was one of those weird back and forth moments where my mom was, like, cool with it for a minute. Yeah, you're like, where was this information before? Like, why is this now suddenly coming in? (laughs) It's like, way to drop the ball. (laughs) Yeah, I was, like, super into it for some reason. But at the same time, I had a CCD teacher who was, like, hyper into showing us weird evidence of, like, angel sightings. Oh, my God. You know, like, Mary and burnt toast type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I told another student about my grandmother being into tarot and she tattled oh. and I got like called out in the middle of class by this woman who told me that my grandmother was not in heaven because she was dabbling in the occult Oh, which fucked up to do that to a kid yeah yeah no <laughs> and that's when the whole rosary thing happened that's just mean let's just for years I would just stay up crying 
dying doing the rosary. Oh my god. But, uh, it's so true. Of I mean, it's so interesting how you can point out, you know, like, well, you believe in this thing that has to do with Christianity, which is not that far off from how pagan and occult you know, beliefs kind of structure or, or, or work or whatever, but you have the gall to tell me that my, you know, my grandmother. Doing whatever the fuck she wants, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> she, she purchased her own house in heaven and she's telling people what to do. Yeah. <laughs> she's ordering God around. That's what's happening. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but like ever since I've just kind of been into weird, very, like those kind of weird personal collections and big personal like ritual things mm-hmm. have, I don't know I've always been kind of grossed out by uh, uh, like an organized religion or like someone telling you the right and wrong way to do something I mean did you find um, because when when I was going through these similar um, experiences I mean I, I I had it a little bit better in terms of um, my mother actually was the one to take me to the pagan shops like because she's interested in it too like yeah again not a super religious family we have our moments definitely at least my mom does i'm i'm kind of like whatever fuck it (laughs) kind of attitude obviously um but yeah she was the first one to be all like hey there's this you know uh occult pagan wicca shop kind of thing downtown you want to go and my sister and i were like yeah sure why not and we (laughs) we would go and talk to the lady like about candle magic and I my first thing I purchased there was a tarot deck because I was like oh this will be interesting for like five minutes and then I'll move on to something else <laughs> but that was really interesting I don't know and it's it's so weird that like in the same church we were going to and like other friends I had had like were like uh, Puerto Rican or Cuban or, or Haitian or whatever and there was like a lot of magic within their Catholicism. Yeah. Which I was very aware of, and, and I don't know, it's it's there, and it's vibrant, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's something that I guess, like, in the back of my head influenced me quite a bit, you know? Did you... There are certain symbols there that still I'm very attached to, you know what I mean? No, definitely, yeah, I mean, um, the, I mean, did you find, did you find it, like, empowering learning about all that stuff? Was that was that something that kind of stuck with you, or is that just a, a part and parcel of it? I think it is, like, I, it was empowering to me to, like, especially with, like, a lot of the, uh, a lot of my friends were, their families were, like, from the Caribbean and, and stuff, and, like, those women were the person you went to mm-hmm. and were, like, important and I don't know, there was, like, within a lot of that stuff, suddenly there's a respect and, like, a, a confidence that is built because suddenly, like, you're doing things with purpose. Mm-hmm. I think, it, especially, even if it is not structured, even if you start doing your own things, like, very intuitive magic things, like, and those mix up with, with uh superstition and that kind of stuff just like little little rituals you do for yourself suddenly give you a lot of confidence mm-hmm. and I think that I identified a lot with that and I in recent years liked the idea that I could help people build that confidence oh, that's by cool. making stuff yeah. it, it makes me really happy to see people excited with like these weird 
trinkets and stuff I make. No, because I don't, I don't, I don't attach a lot of meaning to any of them. They kind of come up with it all on their own, and I love that about it. Mm-hmm. Do you, do people like tell you tell you why they're so excited about it, or is it you know when when they like purchase them from you or they meet you at a con or something like that? Sometimes, yeah, and I, I oftentimes feel bad because like I don't like I'm heavily atheist. I don't like practice anything really, but really when it comes down to it, I think everyone does have weird little rituals that they do. Mm-hmm. And I should just admit that, yeah, I do, I do little things, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of it is believing in something and giving yourself confidence and being able to visualize something. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of that stuff comes from. Oh, definitely. Um, and so in that sense, I definitely believe in that kind of thing. But, uh, there's some people who come to my table who like are deep. <laughs> no, they're, yeah, they're, they're in it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Like, I think it's super cool that, like, they might use something that I made and, and something that they feel so deeply about, and I think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, um, when you're... I never, like, tell them that I don't believe in No, <laughs> you don't want to ruin the illusion, basically. Yeah, it's always, like, a really slippery slope. I don't know. I don't want to, like... I don't want to make them think that I'm something I'm not, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't want to, like kill this really happy thing that they got going no it's it yeah like you said it's a slippery slope where you're just trying to make sure that you you provide the thing that they need but you also have to like it's almost like you have to make that clear boundary uh for yourself it's like at the end of the day i'm selling you a thing yeah (laughs) it's straight um when you're so when you're sitting down actually create one of the like the pins or the shields um or or even just your uh your 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 um your prints your block art anything like that you know do you set out with something in mind or do you just kind of sit down and then you just kind of like let it happen like are you going for a particular theme or is it does it just kind of like come out of nowhere for you uh, sometimes I do have themes a lot of time like, I kind of try and set myself get businessy about it I try and set myself on a schedule of having something new during certain intervals Mm -hmm. um and I would say like doing comics and zines unfortunately is less profitable than making like objects I think like it's pretty indicative that at comic shows and things like that the stuff that sells most is the swag and not so much the comics if you have both at a table and it kind of sucks Mm mm-hmm uh, where you want to, like, you hope that people are there for your comics. And a lot of people totally do buy that stuff, you know? Yeah. People who, that is what they're there for. But um, I think people do like stuff. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> like, um, the, the pin craze that's going on right now is, is interesting. Yeah, like, I don't know how I feel about it as I'm awaiting a shipment of pins. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's the irony of the situation, and, like, and hmm. I wake up and it's like, it's today the day. <laughs> but, like, uh, so at least, like, I try, and it was pretty intentional. Like, when I was getting into comics, I, I went to school for illustration, and I didn't feel like I was very good at telling stories. I don't have a huge interest in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told that I have to stop saying that I'm not a writer. <laughs> oh, so who told you to say that? I went to a retreat last year, and there were, like, uh, someone made little um, mantras for people. Mm-hmm. And 
it was it was a retreat of not just visual artists it was all sorts of artists and their mantra that they gave to me is to stop saying that I'm not a good writer because <laughs> I apparently said this over and over and over again and I had not even realized it mm-hmm. um, and so like it was I would I'd rather say that writing is not something I have a huge interest in mm-hmm. uh, as far as like plot line and like figuring out something like that but what I do like is evoking a feeling mm-hmm. I want people to like feel a certain way that I want them to feel and so with the way I package stuff the way I make things like I'm hoping that that comes across and suddenly it's almost like I'm, I'm letting you into this little world mm-hmm. that I've not necessarily written but I've made uh, yeah, I'm not quite figured out how to get that into writing yet yeah, I mean, that's something to say for, because I, I, I mean, as someone who consumes a lot of comics, uh, there are a lot of issues I've I've read, which, you know, they call, you know, silent issues, where there's no actual dialogue or, or anything like that. It's just the images, just the emotion of the, of the situation, which I find, you know, personally, those are far more empowering uh, or, or more evocative, because it's, it's giving you kind of that carte blanche to assign a certain amount of meaning to things um, yeah. instead of the writer being like this is what this is you know depending on the writer because some are better at subtlety than others so, <laughs> so the, the, the couple of comics I've made so far like those those are my favorite type to do and it's, it is hard to get a lot of that stuff across but it is fun for me to do it mm-hmm. um, but like going into it I realized that I don't like I'm very uncomfortable dialogue and so like those are the kind of things I was doing and I started with doing uh, uh, like art zines essentially mm-hmm. and suddenly they were on a theme and then suddenly I was like making stories with it um, but I, I realized that there's like a comic at like a scene show is not the only way that you can tell a story mm-hmm. and so I tried to make other things where like a story can be told with something you get and so that's where like I have like a pack of ghost cards where you get uh, a completely like randomized grab bag uh-huh. of cards where it's a ghost how they died how they haunt you what room they haunt and what object they inhabit oh cool and so from that I'm like oh you get like this whole story of this person's like afterlife <laughs> essentially <laughs> in like this little card thing and so I really like doing stuff like that and I feel like it's a narrative it tells a story it's not necessarily like a traditional comic mm-hmm. I feel like it has a place in that same universe no, yeah it, and it's interesting too because in a similar way with this like with silent issues you're you're giving you know whoever buys that the ability to kind of fill in the blanks too um, exactly. There, I mean, we're going back to the D and D thing. It's the skeleton. You're providing the skeleton uh, for people to, you know, okay, I have this, this, and this, and now I can do whatever I want with this. Now I could, you know, I, there could very well be fan fiction based around your ghost cards. You don't know. It could be out there. <laughs> <laughs> if there isn't, I will probably end up writing one of those someday. <laughs> so, but like, that, that's interesting. Fun to make that. I don't know. I And so now I at least try and, like, get a, some sort of comic out minimum once a year. Mm-hmm. But I do know that, like, I make 
income off of my Etsy site and what sells is not comics. And comic shows those sell. Yeah. But uh, what tends to sell is like weird little zine things like the ghost cards or like the little iron coffins that, that I have my boyfriend make or, or pins and stuff like that. And uh, I try and kind of keep it all within the same theme at least. And I totally admit that like I am cashing in on the fact that witchery and stuff is popular right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do after that because like it's been something I've always been interested in and have always kind of made stuff for. One, it, it's more or less the the culture is catching up with the thing you were already interested in. Yeah, like you were you were making them before, and yeah. and then cult the, the pop culture you know scene just kind of caught up with you again, and they're like, hey, this is popular right now. You should make some money off of it. And I mean, Supernatural is never going to stop playing at this point. I mean, I think they're going to be going forever at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sure conspiracy theory podcasts I, I listen to that are still going full hog. Yep. I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Night Vale is huge. I mean, you could, uh, I think you could, you could make a pretty penny off of this stuff for quite a while. I don't think it's ever going to back off as much. So. There will always be weirdos. Exactly. Weirdo, I think I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I like just as much of this crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't mean crap in a disparaging way. Shit! I mean, oh god. Like junk, I swear to god. <laughs> No, it's, I mean, I think that's, there's always going to be a niche market for something and there's always going to be those waves of when it's in, when it's out, you know, and there's always ways of kind of reconfiguring it for different genres too. I mean, it's like sci-fi and fantasy always kind of go together and there's never, it never runs out. There's always something out there for it. So like, hell, I love weird Westerns. So, you know, okay, let's put magic in the old West. Perfect. You just gotta, it's always just like, okay, how can I fit it into this and still do what I'm doing to a degree, I guess. At the end of the day, like, I have to admit that I am, I'm making products, and it is fun to make these products, but I'm definitely thinking about, like, the, like, the end line of, like, how much these things are costing me to make, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, like, how much, how much profit I'm making off of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's what you, I mean, again, going back to what we were talking about before, you, you are, uh, it's not like you're living the high life being a freelancer. You, uh, you have to support yourself. You have to support what you're doing, but you also have to be practical about it. Exactly. And, and doing stuff like this makes it a little bit more comfortable. It makes it, makes it so I can say no to projects I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm not going to make a, a beer label for your your company that you're never gonna do and ask me to do for a hundred dollars it's like unless i get some proceeds off of this like i don't think so flying me with beer (laughs) exactly it's like every day for the rest like every week for the rest of your life you get a six pack at your door like sold i like those odds (laughs) until the company goes under like three weeks later like damn well three weeks of beer i guess um, well, I will, I actually will uh, mention something that I know you're featured in that I purchased a while ago, which I think was uh, Bones of the Coast. Yeah. 
So yeah, I know that that's they're they're mailing those out. It's coming to me. I don't have it yet, but I got mine. Oh well, aren't we just fancy with our <laughs> Kickstarter reward? <laughs> um, but uh, I can say you know that I purchased it based off the fact that I knew your art was in it too. So. Yeah, no, it was like, oh, I, 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 when I saw it on Kickstarter, I was like, I feel like this is something that Pam Wishbo is in. And I looked at it, I was like, I was correct in my assumption and shall purchase it forthwith. <laughs> and I said that directly to myself in that way. So <laughs> just putting that all out on the line there. Um, but I do know it's coming out. Um, some people have it, obviously, who created it. Uh, we are, those of us who purchased it are waiting for it. So I'm excited for it because again, it's in that same realm of kind of the, the mystery and the horror stories that can come out of an area like the Pacific Northwest. So, um, yeah. I'm stoked for it. I'm always like, uh, I don't know, it, it was weird that uh, upon moving here, I don't know, maybe a year or two after moving here, mm-hmm. podcast like Tennis and the Black Tapes came out. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh shit, this like, really really nails the feeling <laughs> <laughs> like those the weirdness of that like really hits the nail on the head and it's really fun we just got we just got sasquatches coming out of our ass i mean that's just all it is though i mean really Right? Yeah. So it's like crows put a skull and some crossbones on some things call it good you know was that troll under the Fremont Bridge? I mean, I'm surprised more people haven't done stuff with that yet. So, yeah. just right. I mean, there's like, so, I don't know, maybe spoilers, but like my story within it, which I did not write, it was Shannon Campbell. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, her story that she wrote, this is the first time I'd ever uh, worked with someone else on, on a comic. Mm-hmm. So, it was really intimidating because the whole time I'm just like, I hope this looks like how you want it to look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the story is surrounds blackberries, which like grow everywhere here. Oh yeah, everywhere. It's like creepy, almost. Like I'm in a very urban neighborhood, and like just like over, like I would cross I five constantly mm-hmm. to get to and from like jobs and stuff, and there's just blackberries everywhere. Which you then pick, and you know they're covered in emissions and stuff, but you're like, yeah, trash berries. <laughs> like, trash berries. Or, like, my boyfriend would come home from work, like, during the summer with, like, we'd, he'd have, like, two Nalgene bottles that he would bring to work. Mm-hmm. Just completely filled, like, every day for weeks. No, yeah, the, my grandfather would uh, would get uh, blackberries, and we'd make a cobbler in the summer, so, yeah. And I have friends up north, uh, more towards the Canadian border, who, like, they bought this really nice craftsman house, but it was surrounded by blackberry brambles and stuff yeah. to the point that they had to basically like oust it, you know, and burn burn the area just so that it wouldn't grow back because the I guess the yeah, housing will not die. <laughs> yeah, I mean they just keep growing and there's really no way to stop it unless it's like the hydra where you just have to like burn the heads off. <laughs> Aren't they like an introduced species to the area too? That I don't know. Um, I don't know a lot about plant lore yet, but someday. <laughs> I vaguely, I vaguely like remember hearing that. It is possible. <laughs> I wouldn't put it, it past us. Well, they're delicious. <laughs> they are. <laughs> but yeah, like it's just weird, weird little things everywhere all the time, and it's just little pockets of it that you don't expect. Like I had a friend recently take me to go crystal hunting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So it's like 30 minutes away. <laughs> and you just walk up into this mountain and start digging in the mountainside, and there's like straight up huge quartz crystals just in the dirt. Yeah, no, there are. Uh... There's That's a, a thing. Yeah, there's there's uh there's a local uh, fair because uh, uh, my hometown Renton, uh, so there's this you know these people who show up who just have I mean they just have like a um, was it a yeah uh, they they just they're rock hunters basically and they'll they'll bring all that stuff down and their business is in Washington and so they'll just like lead retreats into the mountains where you can just go and start digging your heart away and they'll arrange trips to go to like quarries and, and whatnot so you can just go and you know pound out some marble if you want to <laughs> and it was so weird the people I went I went with were like a huge mix of different different type of people and one of them was like two of them had gone before mm-hmm. and me and this other girl had not and, and I was like okay so where do you, where do you know to dig and one of them was like well mostly technically under trees because no one else has touched that yet <laughs> That doesn't, seem, that doesn't seem safe, but okay. Seems counterproductive. Yeah, and the other one was like very, is very into crystals and stuff, and she was like, well, you'll feel, they'll pull you. And oh. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. the crystals. But like, I know there's granite in the area, right? So like, is there a seam I'm supposed to be looking for? Give <laughs> me the science of this real quick. <laughs> Oh, my uh, my dad and I actually are really we're both uh, into into rocks and everything. I had a rock collection growing up, and uh, we went on this like houseboat thing. You can you can rent one over in Eastern Washington on Lake Roosevelt, and there are clay deposits along the the, the lake and everything. And so we would kind of park the the houseboat, and then we would just go like climbing around the clay, and you would just find fossils. Um, oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, no, it was just kind of like he'd be like, "Hey Sam, come over here," and she'd be like, "Oh my god, look at this leaf that we found in the clay! It's awesome!" And I'd be like so fascinated by it because I'm still super into that stuff. So, yeah. it's super cool. I was like, I did not get very many crystals. Apparently, I did not intuitively feel where they were. You really just <laughs> got to focus in on yourself, Pam, and I just let know. it guide you. I did find a lot with like inclusions with the iron. So I was like, Brian, look at my, look at my iron crystal. Oh my God. Iron crystal. Oh my God. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting how like, like how many things that there are just to kind of do around here in avenues where you can find like, I mean, just, yeah, the, I, the concept of blackberries and I, I actually can't wait to read this story now because I can only conceive of what might happen in it, but it sounds like it could be really bad or really good. <laughs> I just like I love I love that kind of weirdness and I think everywhere has weirdness mm-hmm. like and I think that's what uh, one of the reasons I think like witchy stuff is is kind of big right now because it's just an acceptance that like everywhere has weird stuff mm-hmm. and like you have all these weird little personal uh, experiences in these places and there's weird little like uh, superstitions everywhere like you have. Like, in Pennsylvania, you have, like, the hex signs, which are so indicative of a very particular area, or, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, just very particular, like, superstitions because of, like, large Italian populations in, like, the Jersey, New York area. Like, I remember growing up with lots of weird little things you just do and do not do, or, like, a boyfriend came from Louisiana, and there's, like, all sorts of little things 
like weird little traditions that come from somewhere and it's like almost been lost yeah where and so somehow it's like almost magic that like like why do you do that you just do it Mm -hmm. it's a ritual that you just do it's like but why magic (laughs) it's like you just do it and i think like uh, people come up with those kind of things for themselves i think that's really cool and i think like i don't know personal opinions like we're increasingly statistically getting less and less organized religious. Mm-hmm. But I think there is something there that like, you have to blame something on something else. Otherwise you go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. And I think a lot of those type of things are like, you want to blame things on like take some sort of control. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of that is coming from. And I talked to someone else about like, potential health care repercussions because of it, like, not, not saying, like, homeopathy and whatnot is, like, causing these things, but I think a resurgence in interest in that, which I had seen a lot in a lot of the retail jobs I was working, is because there's no other option, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of factors making it very popular right now, and I think a lot of it comes from, like, you need to put faith in something. Yeah, there's this, I mean, I don't know if it's just a human thing where we need to, like, create some kind of order, like, out of of whatever chaos we're experiencing. It's like, no, I have to find some kind of either explanation or supernatural explanation, you know, like, whatever your your reasons for it, because there's the scientific route or there's the religious route, that we're always trying to find something that can explain a thing because we can't really conceive of what would actually be the cause of it. Yeah. I, uh, I just finished a book called Ghostland, mm-hmm. uh, where they go into a lot of ghost stories across the U.S. and stuff, and really what it comes down to is, like, ghost stories being a way to for people to uh, talk about uncomfortable things. Mm. You create an other, and you're somehow able to talk about these things that in polite society you don't normally talk about. Yeah. It's basically a metaphor or an allegory that just became popular. Yeah. And and it being so recent, like, some of them were, like, extremely recent, like, within the past ten years that, like, they addressed, and it's like, well, we're still doing that. It's not like this weird, like, throughout history, you know, and that's what they did because they didn't understand how the world worked. It's, it's a way, like, it's a social thing. Yeah. It's a no. very social way of coping it's i mean it's no different than i mean you pay attention to a lot of like political mythology that basically just pops up out of nowhere like conspiracy theories oh yeah i love that stuff i listen to so many conspiracy theory podcasts it's embarrassing what if and then they, I mean I don't know if you watch Doctor Who but then they have like a lizard people Doctor Who episode where like see <laughs> just confirms everything <laughs> well uh we're at um over an hour so oh. <laughs> no and this is it's fine this is typically how long they can sometimes go so uh we're we're right in the the wheelhouse there um, but, uh, before we go, uh, I, I know that you're going to be in Emerald City, uh, beginning of March, so we'll just 
plug that at the top. Uh, where can people find you there? And then where can they find you online? Um, so I am going to be at Emerald City. Uh, let me. I just looked up where my table was and put it on my Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in Artist Alley uh, at table T12. And I think Artist Alley is its own floor again this year. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, it's like on the sixth, sixth floor. So that'll be pretty cool. I think it makes it so the Artist Alley is actually bigger than it used to be. Which is great because Emerald City seems to be like the one that's for right now focusing a lot more on the the actual comics and art part of it. So yeah, Emerald City is like a wonderful little show, and I love it. Well, little, it's a huge show. Yeah, now it's four days where you're just like, really, okay. Uh. Like it's I don't know. I'm I'm lucky to be like only a couple blocks away. No, my my work is only a couple blocks away too. So I just like. I'm just on Thursday for preview day. I'm just gonna be like, well, I'm just leaving work early and going on up. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's nice to just be able to like walk in and not have to like, I don't know, either commute or fly in. Oh god, that sounds like miserable. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm doing I'm doing that this year. Uh, I'm also doing tea calf and dan calf. I'm very excited for. I did TCAP like two years ago, and it was like, I don't know, that was that was a show, because I've only been doing shows for a couple years now, and that was one of my first shows, mm-hmm. and it was like, the one that solidified, I was like, oh, the weird stuff I do is, is a thing I'm allowed to do in this. You were <laughs> validated in that, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't have to do like, capital C comics, or like, <laughs> webcomic-y looking comics like I can do weird crap and it's people like it and it's cool and encourage you to do it it's fully acceptable I love doing self-published stuff is like my favorite Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah I'm very excited to get back there and I know that TCAF is Toronto uh comics and art festival what's what was the other one VanCAF which is in Vancouver Vancouver okay there we go uh they're also I think uh this is the first year VanCAF and uh was either bought or they merged with TCAF, so it's run by some of the same people. Mm. Run by some very awesome people. <laughs> who are super, uh, I don't know, they just like want to make it as happy and friendly as possible, and I, I love that about a lot of these shows, is they just want people to have fun. Same with SBX is like, mm-hmm. went to S- SBX for the first time this year, and that show has so much hype. <laughs> actually lived up to the hype and I am like a curmudgeon oh yeah and I will like, false in anything no I, I I feel like this is where you and I are very similar it's like no no I, I'm gonna find a way to find a problem with it first and until it exceeds my expectations <laughs> like, exactly like I don't know a good indicator was like at that show instead of like going out I don't like going out with a bunch of people <laughs> I literally just like walked a couple blocks to Whole Foods and just treated myself to the buffet I'm living the dream. Living the dream. Comics. <laughs> Comics. <laughs> so yeah, and, and uh, so those are the shows I'm doing this this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be pretty intense. <laughs> so I I don't envy those schedules because it's like 
I, I stick with uh, basically like Emerald City and sometimes Rose City at this point. But yeah, people who do like multiple shows in a year, it's just like, wow. Oh my yeah. God. I don't know how other people like do even more. Uh, but yeah, you, you, people can find me on Twitter at Pam Wishbo. And it's spelled how, how you think it is. <laughs> I often get asked if that is a real name and it is. <laughs> like, no, I made it up. What a... <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Ellis Island name. Uh, so yeah, it's just W I S H B O W. <laughs> you went to the, you had to spell it. Because people are gonna people are gonna put uh, uh, wishbone. Oh yeah. Scourge of my life. No, I can't uh, so yeah, uh, they're on Twitter, and that's where I'm most active. I'm also super active on Instagram. Okay. Where you'll see a lot of cat pics. <laughs> <laughs> The bread and butter of the internet right there. <laughs> and I sometimes post on Tumblr where uh, it's just wishbo.tumblr.com. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll also link your uh, Etsy site and your um, your website to the, the article once it, it, it – embed it in the podcast article thing, whatever. Oh. <laughs> how, how that'll work. So uh, the details for uh, my stuff, because I don't know anything about consulting brand – consolidating brand – uh, it's maniacalgeek.com, yeah, like, uh, where you can find the articles and the Girl with the Curls podcast, also on iTunes, and wherever fine podcasts are sold, I suppose. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. And iTunes and whatnot, and the like and the hey hey. Uh, but... It's uh, <laughs> I just go through it really quick. It's like, whatever, I don't care anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, you found me already somehow, I guess. <laughs> sorry, what? What was that? It's like people found you already somehow, I guess. You know? I, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to work itself out in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, and I'll also be at Emerald City Comic Con. I'm actually doing a panel on Sunday. Uh, it's looking really awesome, by the way. Yeah, it's... Like, they like beefed that day up. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, thankfully mine's in the early morning, so it's like right as the con begins, and then it's like, okay, cool, like an Perfect. an hour of my time, and then I can just walk the floor because yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, I will definitely be stopping by your booth and harassing you. So look forward to that. <laughs> Uh, but on behalf of that girl with the curls uh, and Maniacal Geek, Pam, thank you for coming on the show. It was really fun, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and this is going to go out on Friday, so we'll be just in time for uh, Emerald City and whatnot. And, uh, yeah. Uh, good night, everybody, I guess. <laughs> good night.